welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. Good to be with you again. My face is being covered by the bottom bar here, but good to be with you. Dan Fellers here with regular host Camille. Welcome back, Camille. Hello. Feeling a little better from last week. Yep. I'm totally conscious and everything. All right. Very good. Good to have you back. Got a couple of new faces with us, Jeff and Clark, brothers, I believe, right? Correct. Yeah, brothers. And from the.com, we'll get to hear your story in, later in the segment, but good to have you with us, joining us. Let me, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Let me uh, hide my screen. There, you can see me now. <laughs> Okay, so this is the Built on Air podcast, season 10, episode six, coming at you live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Glad to have you with us. And as always, it's a, we do four different segments on the show. Go do a quick one through of what we'll be talking about today. We'll always start the base, round the bases, talking about what's going on in the Airtable community. Then we'll do a spotlight on our primary sponsor, Onto Air. Then we'll learn more about our creators, Jeff and Clark. Sorry, Clark, I don't have your name on there. Um, we'll learn about them and their and their story. And then they will do a demo of their product, the.com. Then another spotlight on our built-on-air community. And then end up with a field focus to wrap up the show. So with that, we will start with Round the Bases. We always like to talk about um, any updates and anything new going on in the in the Airtable community. Uh, one thing I didn't link to, but um, if you were seeing any errors in your uh, scripting app saying that it was expiring or going away, um, that was an error on Airtable's part. So they had a glitch where they put like an end date of when apps were going away which caused a little bit of a stir. There's a long history of scripting apps. I know Camille's heavily involved in that history. <laughs> yeah. But. So um, long, long ago when they first sort of gave a time limit for when the scripting app would be free, 
uh, we sort of made a side bet about whether or not they'd extend the deadline or make it permanently free. I ended up losing that bet and the scripting app is free for all plans, um, presumably for in perpetuity. Uh, so that little message that was being displayed this past week was uh, basically a bug. It's still free. You're still allowed to use it, um, whether you're on free plus or pro or enterprise. Yep. Yep. It's not going away. So that, that I know it scared me for a second. I was like, Oh no, we're going through this again, <laughs> but just a glitch in the, in the system. So hopefully that wasn't uh, foretelling of future things. So uh, the other one I thought was worth noticing is uh, coming up. Be sure to put on your calendar. I think this will be a good table talk, which is Airtable's um, podcast. And it'll be this Thursday, right? Yeah. Yep. In two days. And uh, Peter Dang, the chief product officer, will be talking about what's on the roadmap. So I know I'll be tuning in to hear what is coming in Airtable's future. They're, they, they don't talk too much about their roadmap. So anytime they're willing to, to shed some light on that, that's always worth watching. Should be good. So <clears throat> feel free to, to jump in. You can ask questions and and um, and participate in that. So next one is from our Built on Air community. Uh, this was kind of cool. Hannah, who's on our Ontario team, um, posted an Airtable bingo. So if you want to play an Airtable game, see how many of these that you have done in Airtable to try to, it looks like Jen got a blackout, so she got all of them and others posted what uh, what they've done as well. So kind of a fun way to start your, your week playing some Airtable bingo. How have you done, Camille? I, I probably have done them all. Um, yeah. I, I was reading the second column, second row down, wondering why you can't filter linked records inside of a record. Yeah, there's there's some of these things are pretty, you know, you do on your, fir your first try with Airtable and some things you do as you get a little bit more familiar, like creating an email automation. But um, yeah, the, the longer you become ensconced in the world of Airtable, the more you fill yeah. out this board. Yeah. Yeah, I love sure. the yell at a formula script. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you've done that a few times. It's a rite of passage, really. <laughs> Very much. I also like the telling your friends and family about it, and they don't get it. Yeah, <clears throat> been there. I know you've been there as well, Camille. <laughs> yes, there. My brother still makes fun of me. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he uh, lurks on the show too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, very good. So go ahead and, and play some bingo. Let us know your score in the in the thread. All right, next one from the Reddit community. Um, this is this comes up quite a bit. Communicating between separate bases. I thought it was worth kind of bringing up again. Um, Camille, thoughts on best practices on how to communicate between bases. Um, right now, Airtable has a sync feature that allows you to take information from one base, base A, and push it to base B. Um, you select a particular view in a table, and that view can be synced to base B. It's a one-way sync at the moment. There are a series of other um, ways that you can end up making a two-way sync. You can use either Airtable's native automations and um, 
the Airtable REST API. Um, or um, I think there's a few um, third-party solutions as well that uh, try and help get at a two-way sync. Um, there's always things that you need to keep in mind, like the refresh rate, how often is it syncing? Um, and then you want to be aware of the limits of records that you can have in either base. If if one base is massive and you're trying to sync that data to a second base, you have to be aware that you might end up going over your record limits, uh, pushing data back and forth. Yep. Yep. Also be aware that the IDs are different. So once yeah. when a record's um, synced over, it gets a different ID than than the original base. So if you're relying on those IDs, they're different. Um, yeah, I remember when they launched Sync, like that was a big deal. And I thought that they said that two-way was on the roadmap, but like mm-hmm. it was in development, but that's been two years since Sync came out. Has Maybe. it really been that long? It might be, yeah. <sighs> okay. It- um, yeah, I recall them saying that as well. And maybe Peter Dang is going to talk about that being on the roadmap for this year. Maybe not. Um, it makes sense that that would be an upcoming feature. Um, I don't know how long it would take because I'm sure there's a bunch of technical under the hood stuff to why it's complicated to get right before they want to release it as a feature, but it would solve a great many number of use cases if you were able to do a two-way sync between bases. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's something that maybe they'll, they'll release. They didn't, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just decided that was too difficult because when you sync from one base to the other, the data is not editable on the synced base. And so that would be a huge upgrade if you could edit it on both tables and then it would automatically, that that would be a, a huge game changer. Yep. Um, but I understand that that also introduces lots of complexity. So they may have decided not to go down that path. Um, other ways that, that I've done is using webhooks. So you can't, um, so if you're familiar with scripting or even, even just using the, the automations, you can perform updates from one base to another by pushing the data via webhook in one automation to, to the webhook in another automation. So I've done that quite a bit where you rely on the webhooks to be passing data back and forth between bases. Kind of hokey, but, but it does work. What do you guys think is the most common use case for having this two-way communication? Um, Something I see people bring up a lot is they'll have a workspace for their business and then the finance department gets their own base, the marketing department gets their own base, and all these different departments have their own base, but they have one list of customers. So they might have a base that is just customer data and they want to sync that view everywhere. Well, if marketing wants to log when was the last time Carl was emailed, that will only live in the marketing base and you can't push that data back to the customer base and say, you know, this is the latest information from all the different places it's synced to. So that's just one sort of type of example, but it would, um, I think it would be really useful, um, especially since Airtable's views that are synced, they know that they're synced somewhere. It would be nice if you could pick 
one column, maybe two columns, however many columns they allow you from the sync destinations and bring those back into uh, the synced information. Even if you can't edit that information there, it would be nice if you could see it from whatever destinations it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah, the other use case I've seen is kind of like an agency model where you're an agency and you have lots of clients and you have kind of global data that you want accessible to all of your clients and you're setting up a new base for each client. And so it's a way to kind of have your global data be distributed across all of your bases, but have a centralized um, source of truth for that, for that global data. Kind of similar concept there, so. Yeah, definitely, super cool. Yeah, so always worth um, exploring. It, it definitely opened up, but but still, still room for improvement on on uh, syncing between tables. So, all right, let's move on. Now we're moving to Airtable. Uh, they announced this in a couple places, but I just grabbed it off or to Twitter. I mean, to um, talking about a new expansion. So Airtable is opening up uh, office in London. So their first international headquarters. Um, so I believe they have San Francisco, Austin, I believe is a second headquarter for Airtable and now London. Don't they um, have one in New York or did I make that New York, up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They've got a big office in New York and now London. So I think that's significant um, because it's something that um, I saw on Reddit this morning, someone is uh, like, Shape, wants to shake Airtable by the, the shoulders and say, please let us have comma separators for numbers, um, which is a typical European format. I don't know if um, in the UK that's uh, commonplace, but they are moving into the, the continent of Europe. I know they're no longer in the EU, but it it's sort of moving into that area to me suggests maybe that they will start to think more um critically about how their product can be used in um, areas that use different formats. It's a very minor change, at least from my perspective, that hasn't been made yet. And I can only hope that moving to London sort of implies certain um, localization features might be added in the future. Yeah. And Jan, who's listening, mentioned, yeah, UK is not equal to Europe. I know, but, but it's, it's on closer. the continent. <laughs> I'm it's definitely closer. They'll they'll hear more feedback as they sell into Europe from from that office. And um, yeah, I know I've heard that complaint from many international users of how hard it is to to uh, <clears throat> to deal with the internationalization. I assume that's a challenge for you guys as well. Do you think much about inter internationalization of numbers and text? Yeah, it's something that we're uh, we're working towards for sure, and we've had you know already had a, a couple people mention it. Um, we've got users in uh, pretty much all over the world already. Um, I think that's the exciting thing about this space is you don't have to be in a certain area to pick it up and, and build some incredible stuff. So, yeah, um, one of the first things that we did was work on helping with different language versions on your site. So we thought that was pretty important, but. Um, yeah, um, you know, even on our side, you know, being able to have our pricing set up in different currencies um, on our pricing page is important. So 
working on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, a really smart thing for Airtable if that's why they're moving there for sure. Yeah, yeah. A couple other things John, John mentions of differences that, that Airtable can improve on. So maybe maybe that's a, a good sign of, of more things to come as they think more globally. I know that I don't believe they support um, GDPR yet, Airtable. And so I know that's an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, and so we'll see if, if this expansion out to other places will uh, help in that regard. All right, here's a here's a Twitter thread on learning Airtable in ten tweets. If you if you are a beginner, so first, what is Airtable? Talking about spreadsheet and database. I won't go through all of these, but a really good summary of just the basics of Airtable, condensed in one um, Twitter thread, and talking about a lot of the different highlights in there. Just scroll through real quick so you can get a sense. Um, different views, link tables, um, Kanban boards, external forms, no code, uh, automations, and collaboration, and then a couple bonus. So good, good, good summary, Seth, of the basics of Airtable in a very condensed um, Twitter thread worth, worth mentioning. All right, here's one. Um, I think we're going to start seeing these more and more. And Camille, we won't get you started, but <laughs> every time, <laughs> don't pull me back into the spiral. Uh, so this is uh, Melissa mentioning on on um, on Twitter about the changes to the pricing. Actually, um, she references somebody else, Josh. Um, asking about like what they're opting into. So they have a screenshot of the updates and whether they wanna update their new free plan from their current free plan. So if you're not aware, there's a new free plan out there and uh, it's a bit confusing. So I think we're gonna see more of these um, people asking questions of what's going on here. Like they're asking like, should I be opting into this new free plan? What What's the catch? And the big catch is the, the plus is you get more, like it says here, you get an app per base and a sync integration. So that's new. The downside, because it doesn't have a check mark, is now there's a max of five creators or editors. They don't mention over here on the left that the old free plan has unlimited creators and editors. So that's um, that's the big catch. -a. Gotcha. When did, when did they update this? This was mid-January uh, on a Tuesday. So I think whatever Tuesday was closest to January 12th or so. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, Josh tweeted, I've never seen a SaaS product ask me to update to a free plan with more on offer. Why don't they just add that stuff to my current plan? <laughs> well, they did update everyone automatically if you were on the plus plan. The plus plan got new features and no drawbacks. Uh, both the free plan and the pro plan got, um, well, the free plan got two new add-ons, which are great. You can um, add one app per your base and you can add one sync integration, which is cool. You couldn't do that before, but it got a uh, fairly considerable drawback where you're limited to five creators or editors. You can have any number of read-only users still. Um, 
So that's the reason why if you were on a free plan, it wasn't upgraded automatically. They didn't cut out any additional um, users beyond that five that you would have had. Um, and for small teams that are less than or five or less people, then my recommendation is to make a new make a new workspace um, because once you upgrade, you can't downgrade back to the original free plan and then test it out. Make sure if you know that you need six or more uh, editors slash creators, then don't upgrade because you won't be able to use the free plan anymore. You'll have to upgrade to plus. Um, so yeah, Kavan is saying don't upgrade the new free workspace, create a new, yeah, basically what I said, make a new one. Um, upgrade that new one if it's not already upgraded and test it out, make sure. Um, that's what I did. I have several, I have a billion different workspaces already made. I upgraded one because it's really just for me. Um, I knew I didn't need more than five uh, creators on that one, but I still have a couple different free workspaces on the original plan just in case. Um, things to keep in mind, I won't talk about pro plan because I've talked about it a lot and it still makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was just I think, gonna ask, do you think the um do you think those two new things that you get outweighs having more or a maximum of five collaborators or which which side do you lean on? I think it's contextual. Um it depends on the size of your team and what the purpose of that workspace is for. Um so uh I have a client right now who they're they're on the pro, pro plan because that's the plan that works best for them, but their company, they would only really have three people who would access the Airtable base in general. So if that's all they needed, then the free plan would have worked great for them. They just need more record, uh, a higher record limit. So that's the reason why they're not on it. But um, if you're um, if you're on a, a, a larger, small team, that doesn't make sense. A medium-sized team um, that's like 10 people. The original free plan is probably what works best for you, um, assuming you don't need a lot of records. And um, and the other thing to keep in mind is it's one app installation per base. So it's not like you could have five charts. You could have one chart or one page designer or one some other thing. That does not include the scripting app. The scripting app is separate from that one app installation limit for all of the plans. So you could have the script app and one chart or the script app and uh, one page designer, et cetera. I know a lot of us talk a lot of smack about the page designer because it's fairly limited compared to some of its um, other third-party equivalents like document. But um, if all you needed was just a nice PDF of something, uh, having the one in app installation is probably a nice little add-on. Um, so I can appreciate that they added new things to the uh, free plan. The limit of five collaborators um, with edit access is, it's not a whole lot, but at the same time, it's a free plan. And they made the plus plan a lot more usable than it used to be. Like no one would have recommended the plus plan prior to January, 2022. It's now actually a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want, we won't. I, I think uh, Melissa here summarizes it really well. That Airtable's licensing model needs a lot of work, and it's really hindering, um, you know, people using it. Um, it seems odd that the free plan, you know, like most companies want a lot of people using it, 
as as possible and they kind of use that freemium approach and Airtable moving away from that i think is going to be a roadblock but we've talked a ton of it uh, you could actually go back to the original day when this came out and we all kind of heard about it live on this show and you see our real raw reactions it's pretty funny yeah looking back on it it wasn't funny at the time but uh no. <laughs> So I had a lot of feelings. Yes, there was feeling shared and the weeks following we've talked a lot about it. So anyways, we'll move on. So here's another um, tweet that um, if you're interested in following the competition. So Microsoft um, last week. So the, Microsoft has a competitive product called Microsoft uh, lists, right? Yeah, Microsoft lists. Mm -hmm. And if you look, here's a couple uh, screenshots of it. It looks pretty similar to Airtable. Um, it's almost, you know, a, they actually copied quite a bit of the UI um, from Airtable. And what happened last week, this got launched like a year ago, maybe. Um, and I, I tested it out over a year ago. But last week, they actually made it free for all their um live users microsoft live accounts so if you have a a free live account you can actually start using this product and so i think they're expanding um their usage of it and who can get access to it so i always like staying up on on um what what competitors are doing obviously microsoft and somebody mentions here google has a a competitive product that is in the works um, I will say I tried it again to see if there's any improvements. It is nowhere near ready to compete with Airtable. Uh, I couldn't, yeah. I, I would not use this in a million years. <laughs> that was my takeaway as well. Um, it's Microsoft, so I'm sure it e will eventually become usable. Um, my company is, we're on the whole like Teams network and um, Outlook and all that. So if lists were at a reasonable level, um, we would probably use it for things. But I tried making something I made out of Airtable in lists and was cut short pretty quickly. It's it's missing um, it's missing quite a few things. So yeah, yeah. The biggest is you know we talked about in the bingo of of yelling at formula fields. They don't even have a formula field. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine Airtable without a formula field. It would not be the same. <laughs> yeah. And so until they have that, there's no automations. There's no apps right now. Um, so it, it, it still has a long ways to go. It's really just a basic, uh, very simple. It does have link tables, so you can link between the tables, but that's about it. So... Still, still a lot of improvement, but like you said, with Microsoft and and its backing, it's it's going to continue forward and and get market share. So that's all we've got for around uh, the bases. We'll do a quick spotlight on onto Air. Onto Air is the primary sponsor of Built on Air, and it's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. So if you rely on Airtable to run your business, you need to check out Onto Air and its suite of apps. And for today's spotlight, I wanted to just highlight a change that we have going on. I'm the founder of Ontario. So um, speaking of that, we have some changes in the works. 
So our focus is to really um, create a large library of apps that can help you do things. And in that effort, we're actually moving away from a bundled um, pricing app, at least as far as being listed on our website. So in the coming weeks, our bundled pricing will be going away um, and we'll just have individual app pricing unless you uh, reach out to us, then we can work with you on, on having a, a package deal. But if you're, if you're using Airtable or onto Air and you're just using one app, now's your chance to get our bundle price before it goes away. So you can actually save quite a bit for getting all six of our apps for one single price instead of buying each one individually, that would be three to four times the cost of our bundled pricing. So check that out on tear.com and you can still get the bundle pricing. It'll be up for a month or so until we have a new um, release coming out, at which point our bundle pricing will be going away. So now's your time to uh, upgrade there. And if you're a customer, you will be sending out notifications via email on the changes there uh, shortly. So that's the big update there. Next, uh, let's meet our creators. So we have Jeff and Clark with us, brothers, both living in Colorado, right? We started the company in Colorado, but okay. we actually live in San Francisco now. Okay, you're in San Francisco, both of you. So welcome, why don't you tell us your story and how you got to where you're at today? Definitely, thanks for having us on. Glad to be here. We've uh, listened to you guys a bunch and Dan, it's been good to know you for the last uh, year or so. Clark and I started the .com. So our company's the.com, three-letter URL. We'll talk a little bit more about the actual URL <laughs> in a minute. But um, we, we wanted to create a platform that would allow us to effectively build faster, more systemized, use data as like the single source of truth. And we wanted actually something that worked really well with things like Airtable and Google Sheets and um, apparently Microsoft lists. <laughs> but uh, we we started an agency together in 2012 and we built thousands of websites. So our platform is a website development platform <clears throat> and it helps people set up data systems. A ton of people use it with Airtable uh, and we wanted the ability for people to get super custom websites, really unique, and um, still be able to edit the individual attributes uh, in kind of a cell-based model or, or grid-based model. So we actually abstracted code in a way that is formatted like a spreadsheet. And if you scroll down here on the homepage a little bit, you'll see uh, right, keep right there, uh, you'll see part of the platform or pretty much all of the platform has this kind of like Airtable spreadsheet uh, look to it. And that's because we figured one way to connect data e easiest is through that spreadsheet interface. And it's been really, really helpful for our, our customers. We've, we just did a huge announcement in TechCrunch last week. I think at the top of our site, you can see there that we announced a round of funding. And uh, what's cool is that we've seen a lot of people connect up the .com with Airtable. So we're excited to kind of share some use cases of that today. Very cool. So this kind of grew out of your agency and building. Were you using this platform just for your client base initially? Or how did that work out? How did that transition? That's exactly what happened. Um, 
you know, we were using a lot of the legacy players you guys are probably familiar with, um, and it worked okay. But the real problem for us was we needed more power. We needed to be able to systemize things like a real engineer. And we also needed to create an environment that everyone could play on the same field or play by the same rules. And so when we're an agency, like maybe I had a little bit more skill than the person who owned the coffee shop we were building the site for, but they had the same amount of need to update stuff that I did. So having an experience where, um, you know, I can actually send all of my content out to a sheet and give that to the coffee shop owner and say, hey, just edit this sheet and things will update on the site for you. Uh, it was a really great experience. And at first, I'll admit, like we built it functionality first. It was really ugly early on, um, <clears throat> but it did a lot. And we showed some of that magic to our customers and some of the other agencies we were friends with. And they're like, guys, you have to build this product out. Like we all want to use it. Um, and so we did that and like Jeff said, raised, raised a round of funding and um, it's been a really fun experience. It's a really unique approach. You know, when Airtable came out, uh, we were like already on the path to building this. And so we're like, oh, thank God, somebody defined this space a little bit for us. Um, and we took a very similar approach and put data as a first class citizen and said, you know, it should be up to you to build how you want to build. We'll kind of just give you some frameworks to make that really easy. And that's what we have here today. Um, and we're really excited about it. We're building a community around it. Um, so if you're new to website building and you don't really know what you're doing, you're new to HTML and CSS or how data moves between sites, hop into the community, say what's up, um, share the projects that you're working on. And uh, there's a ton of people in there that'd be happy to either help or, um, or share some, some wisdom. Can you talk about your, your funding round? Was the plan always to raise money or did you ultimately shift in thinking there? Because I think early on when I talked to you, you were more kind of bootstrapping and, and um, when, when did you decide to raise money and how did that come about? We definitely didn't intend to raise money. I mean, we were doing well with the agency. We loved what we did. We were working with only small businesses. And so when we built them a new site or a new brand or whatever it was, like you saw the impact happen right there. And that for us was just hard to give up. Um, so we, we were a little reluctant in moving down the, the product path. And the other thing too was we were waiting for, you know, a, a group of great people in Silicon Valley or whatever it was to build the next platform for us. And um, we were waiting and waiting and it just didn't really happen. So I think we were kind of forced into it a little bit by, you know, people being really excited about what we're doing and, and the products having so much power. Um, and what ended up happening is we were in Boulder, Colorado. And if anyone knows Boulder, uh, it's kind of a small town. But there's a lot of tech there. There's some, some interesting VCs we're chatting with, um, you know, and I think their perspective uh, was slightly different than the perspective of people out here in San Francisco. So we took a couple of meetings out here and it was just a ton of fun to talk to people who were excited for you to build something really big that had a big vision that could have a big impact. And uh, we were really drawn to that. So, you know, we, we took a couple of meetings, like I said, and uh, it's a crazy process fundraising. If you guys have been through it, I'm sure um, some of you guys have done it before. It's, it's really difficult. You hear a lot of no's. You have to really um, explain your story in a good way. And, you know, after we went through that process, we ended up with pretty much the top partners that we could have asked for, really excited to be working with our lead fund NFX. 
um, who's very focused around the idea of network effects, which is really what you know is the underlying uh, concept between or but behind uh, something like Airtable or the .com. Yeah. And kind of on that, you, I, I read your press release on the fundraising. Can you talk a little bit about the Web3 aspect that you're building into the product? Yeah, well, you know, I think to have a decentralized web, like the first thing you've got to do is own your corner of the internet and get off some of the big monolithic platforms. And the first step to that is websites. So I think there's going to be a lot more websites being built. Um, I'm excited to see the pendulum swinging back towards a more like decentralized, democratic uh, experience on the web, you know, I think the last time it felt this way was the MySpace era, um, pre-social media kind of era. And so I'm really excited about that. But the other thing that we're working on aligns really well with Web3. And we're excited that Web3 has so much momentum because it kind of is happening to us. But we felt like the people who are building on the web should own what they make and should get credit for that. And so when you build on the .com, if I build an amazing navigation and Dan, you build an awesome footer, um, your avatar actually gets stuck onto that block and we start tracking the amount of times it gets used and um, you get credit for that every time it gets used. So we're working on a way to, to, make, uh, to help people make money with it. But when we're an agency, like there's plenty of times we built a site that didn't get used or a concept that didn't make the cut and that was work already completed and it'd be great to put that onto the world and let people use it. So it's kind of like this marketplace ownership type of experience um, that aligns, like I said, really well with Web3 and, and people seem to love it so far. So. so Camille, they have this marketplace where they actually help other people make money on their platform. Don't get me started, Dan. <laughs> that's, that's reference to Airtable who has not quite figured out that they actually want their developers to succeed in their ecosystem. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm a sentimental person. How is it like working with your brother? That sounds fun. I think it's kind of, it's funny because we weren't super close growing up. Like obviously we're in the same family. So we were like physically close and like did a lot of stuff together, but we had, distinct personalities that now have come together to be like really complimentary. But what would you say, Jeff? I mean, I'm sure we have slightly different opinions, maybe similar <laughs> opinions. I mean, I think what happened is we converged at the point in our lives where we didn't want to work a nine to five and our, you know, we have entrepreneurial lineage from our dad to our grandfather and stuff like that. And <clears throat> we just wanted to try a bunch of ideas out. And so, yeah, we fight sometimes when uh, things don't go well, but we also celebrate a lot because, you know, there's a lot of fun wins that we get to see customers building sites and, you know, the funding and things like that. So it's been great so far. Yay. Very cool. I think the other powerful thing about working with a sibling too is they can't like leave <laughs> because you're family. <laughs> so, you know, you can push through things that feel really difficult in the moment and you know that they're still going to be there, you know, later. And I think, that's really powerful. Um, but you know, it's, it's also something a lot of the, the funds asked about when we were raising, you know, like how close is your relationship? And luckily Jeff and I had built this previous business beforehand. So we had already gone through all of the things you could go through and some of the rough times. So we knew where our limits were already and, um, had felt like we had already reached them. So this has been a lot easier. And I think having the resources like 
round of funding has been has made it you know significantly easier. Cool. One more one more question for me. Uh, talk about the domain name. How did how did that happen? Well, we're gonna do a whole biopic pick. You know, directors because <laughs> everyone asks us. No, but. Um, it's funny because everyone literally asks us. And so we will do a, a more comprehensive story, but the short version of it, uh, is we got incredibly lucky and someone actually offered this domain to us. We became friends with someone who we later found out was the founder of like a very prominent domain registrar actually, uh, back in the mid two thousands. So it was kind of that when domains were really hot, you know, like the go daddies of the world and Clark and I had this affinity for kind of these old buildings. We're actually in one of them now, but our office in Boulder is something that we wanted to purchase from. It was like an old auto body shop. No one had been in there since the eighties. It's kind of abandoned. We're like, that's perfect for us. An abandoned building. <laughs> you know, we're from right outside New Haven, Connecticut. So it really felt like New Haven, -y, old school. Yeah. We're into cars, that kind of thing. So long story short, the person ended up having this domain we had a different name when we when we started this company and uh he was like this will change the trajectory of your guys company and so you know kind of goes on from there and the rest is history what what was your original name i don't know if we're gonna ever tell that no uh, <laughs> uh, yeah like word of the dot com and i think the best part about it is when we got the domain we were so small like the team was so small we kind of trimmed you know, some of the people from the agency uh, had kind of worked with us on the beginning of this, and but we trimmed down a bunch. You know, it's a completely different model agency versus product, so different different skill sets needed, and it just it felt like we were we had to operate on the Apple Tesla level because we had like this crazy name. So every time we were making decisions, we weren't making decisions as you know three people in this old auto body garage in Boulder, Colorado. We were making them as like. Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, and Cupertino. And I think that was a lot of fun for us, but it also drove us to think, can we do something much larger than what three people in an old auto body shop in Boulder could do? And so I think we're really lucky to have had that. It was a, definitely a driving force and a North Star for us for a long time and still is. Um, and I also like how it's kind of like throwbacky. You know, it's like dot-com era a little bit, you know, websites, the dot com, it all kind of like just fits together really nicely. But this is like the refresh, the new take on it. Right. Um, and yeah, we're just we're excited to have it. Cool, very cool. Well, we're excited to have you on. Let's uh, jump in and get a demo of the dot com. So, Jeff, I'll share your screen. Perfect. Here you go. Cool. Well, the dot com has a ton of features, uh, a lot of fun stuff coming out in the near future as well. Uh, but what we'll take a look at today is like one quick, easy example of connecting uh, the.com to Airtable. And we use Zapier right now at the.com. We're working on uh, also integrating Integramat and a few other kind of like data syncing services. Um, but Zapier is kind of that standard and it works really well with Airtable and the.com. So what I'll do is I'll show you how to kind of set it up inside our system. And then I'll, I'll also go through some more complex examples where we don't actually set those up. Um, but the great thing about the .com is it's, it's super quick to go through these things. Um, and so I'll give you guys a little overview here. What you're seeing now is actually my kind of like profile area. So I've got tons of different sites in here. You can see they all have different owners. What's really cool about the .com is 
once you get invited on a site, you kind of become this kind of collaborator where you can work together and chat and um, there's some cool live collab aspects of it. Um, and you can spin up new sites. You'll see I've got some kind of like admin stuff going on down here as well. And then one, <clears throat> one of my other favorite features of the .com is that we kind of have like, like we talked about earlier, this marketplace that we call the feed where you can pull in different types of navigations, footers, heroes, any of those like micro templates uh, that you would be kind of assembling your site with. So if you were working with Airtable in the .com, you'd see like, oh, you can pull in different data streams that might be associated with any kind of repetitive data. Um, and you can see any of these would work really well with Airtable. So let me go back and I built a little site earlier this morning to, to go in here. You can see what's funny is uh, sites as they update will get rearranged on here. So you can always see like what the latest site is. Um, in this case, we're gonna hop into this site and it's like, it's really cool, little simple uh, reading list that's for built on air. This is the platform uh, you can see here, like you showed in the preview on our website. It's got a, a spreadsheet kind of interface with these cells. When you click on things, you'll see previews of those in the background. And what one of our things that we loved about building this is that we wanted that ability to instantly see what we were working on by hiding the editor versus having to hit preview on a lot of those legacy platforms. Um, you can see here we have this page that I spun up and we'll go into that in a second. We've got blocks, which again, you can go grab from the feed at any time. And then we have sheets. So what's cool about sheets is these are actually just blank spreadsheets that you can import data from. If I go ahead and open this one, you'll see here again, it's blank. Uh, I named these titles and then I started adding a couple different um, fields here. And I actually pulled in this most recent row from Airtable. And I'll show you guys how to do that in a second. Let's go back to the worksheet and open the homepage. And you guys can get a quick view of the editor. Um, feel free to stop me if you have any questions along the way. By the way, Dan. I was just going to say, it looks like the mouse is like not lining up with your screen. I think that's like a screen sharing issue. The mouse? Yeah. Let me, um, you know what I can do real quick is I can reshare my whole... Window. Just so that it's clear to see where you're flipping, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. How about now? There we go. Does that yeah. look better? Yeah, click on some yeah. stuff. <coughs> like this? Or is it still it's lagging? Still, it still seems off, but I think it'll be all right. Yeah, sorry about that. So I haven't used the StreamYard before. Yeah, no worries. Um, so just to give you a quick overview of the editor, left-hand side, you've got your HTML elements and other special types of elements like blocks here. You can see this blue one. And if we uncollapse this, you'll see this special one that's a feed of that data. And we'll get to that in a second. And then on the right-hand side, if you click, you'll notice that you've got all your style attributes. And we have this super handy command K that you can start typing in different style attributes and you're going to go right to those cells and you can do things like type blue or type yellow or type a hex code. And what's, what's great about that is you'll see the instant changes here in the background of what you're editing. So that was really something super important to us to make sure that we had that kind of instant feedback to see if what we were doing was actually working well or if we were screwing up the page. Um, 
obviously there's tons of features like versioning and scheduling and UX features and meet mobile responsiveness features. But for this demo, we're just going to take a quick look here at this feed of data that we pulled in from Airtable. So in our system, in Bed.com, you can pull in what we call uh, data feeds or sheet feeds. Uh, these are just bringing in sets of data from um, Airtable or wherever your source of the truth is here. So if we tab over to the Airtable sheet, you'll notice that we have uh, new Airtable data coming in. And if we go over to the Airtable itself, you can see I made this tiny little one called uh, built on air watch list. If we were to go ahead and add like uh, built on air tool and we could say by Clark um, and we add that last modified field in there. And I believe if I drag in an image right here, that'll upload. Um, it's super nice to see kind of like these rich cells in Airtable. Um, and so what that just did is generated this new row. If we hop over here to Zapier, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, you know, you set up your Airtable triggers. Um, in this case, I chose the base and the table. You know, for some reason, they force you to have this last modified column on there. Dan, I don't know if you've ever seen that before, yeah. um, but it's one of those classic things. Um, pulls in the record, and then we just choose um, the .com as right now it's in beta on Zapier, <coughs> excuse me, as our uh, action, send to an app sheet, you know, choose your account, set up the action. In this case, it's super simple because we only had three different columns. Uh, what's great about that is remember, I named those myself. And so we're able to actually fully customize what's getting pulled in from the data set. And then, you know, we can retest that action, pull that data in and turn on the zaps. Um, and we have a bunch of health documentation on the health.com to kind of walk you through that process here um, because you can make it super custom. And I'll show you some examples of that in a second. So if I go back to the .com and go into the homepage, what you'll see here is this data set that's pulled in is actually pulled in using this Airtable sheet and a nested block. And so again, blocks come from the feed right over here. And all you have to do to link them up, Dan, is you just set them equal to whatever column in the sheet of data that you want them pulling from. And so you're, you're effectively creating this reusable data system. And it's really, really helpful because uh, you kind of build a design one time and then you just set it equals to that column. And if you're using Zapier or Airtable um, automations, you can just pull that data in, data in automatically. And if you're really feeling, uh, feeling it, you can actually turn on automatic deployment of that data from whatever updates from Zapier. So you'll see we have Airtable is one of our most popular items here. But what that means is you can do things like create this reading list. You can maybe have a playlist on YouTube. You could maybe link up your personal uh, website to your, your social media, like your Twitter or your Instagram. And anytime you post a new photo, you save a video to a playlist or you tweet, that information is going to get pulled in here and deployed automatically. So you almost don't even have to update your personal website, even though you own all of that data. That's super nice. So you really just have to design it and then make the updates where it's most natural to you. either it's Airtable. I saw, I think, Instagram 
as well. And I suppose anything else that can be hooked up via Zapier. Absolutely. We actually built it so that you can trigger those zaps right inside the platform, which not a lot of people have. That's but obviously, very handy. Yeah. Yeah. It's super nice because you don't have to leave the platform and you can also, you know, they have, wow, that's what, more than I realized last time. I thought it was like 3,500, but it looks like they're up to 4,600 connectors here uh, in Zapier. So you can use Airtable, Slack, Google Sheets, whatever uh, is, what, like you said, most natural. Oops. And what's, what's cool about that is when, like Clark said, when we were building this platform, what we wanted to do was make it so that I can choose whatever these column titles are, depending on how technical the person I'm working with is, right? Like if I'm working with the coffee shop owner, they only ever want to update their Instagram uh, to update their website, right? <laughs> Whereas some other people might say, hey, I want to customize this hover color every single time. So I can make one of these columns, you know, hover color and maybe it's blue and then it's yellow and then it's green. So um, you can get as custom as you want and you really tailor it. The person building the site tailors it to their customer. That's very cool. So I'll exit this real quick and I will show you really quickly two other or at least one other fun one that's connected. Um, I think this one is really cool. So this site is a news aggregator um, that someone is pulling in from Airtable where they have a few more pages on here, um, a few more blocks, as you can see, navigation block, kind of that newsletter and the sheets of data coming in. And so if I go click on this page, you'll see with the different blocks, they're actually pulling in data <clears throat> where they have featured articles, they have recent news and top stories, as well as all of the stories that are pull getting pulled in with images, links to uh, where they're coming from, dates and times. And all this can be achieved with one single sheet coming in from Airtable. Nice. So that was really fun. Interesting. So yeah, so you're really dependent on using those third party. It kind of sounds like you pretty much have to have some data source, right? You don't have your own internal data source UI. Correct. You can easily throw in, you know, your own data into the, the sheets. And mm -hmm. if we go back into the one we were playing around with, I pasted this data and dragged images in myself right okay. here. Um, and so you can kind of go either way and you gotcha. can organize your own data inside the sheets. Uh, you don't have to have an outside data source. Gotcha. Uh, so very cool. Yeah. We used to say, we said like BYOB, bring your own base or, or BYOD, bring your own database. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think having this freeform experience is just what people have been begging for. Um, and it's just, I'm, even me watching it, somebody who's been a part of this for a long time, so cool to see how it works and see this data come through. Do you find a lot of your customers are agencies where they kind of can set this up and then give the data source to their customers? Is that a common use case? Yeah, the handoff's really important. It's something we dealt with all the time as a freelancer agency type person. And like Jeff said, everyone has different skill sets. Like every customer had a different skill set. They had a different requirement for what they needed to change. And so being able to be flexible with that I think is probably the most important thing 
And uh, you see companies like like some rising stars like Webflow who have great platforms and they're trying to handle that handoff process by having two different versions of their editor, one that's simplified and one that's not. But we wanted to take an approach that said, well, the customer and the, and the person providing the service know each other the, the best. So if we create a freeform experience, then they decide how the handoff process works. Um, and through Zapier and through some of the other tech that we built in here, we can pretty much use anything to update your site now. And so you never have to go into an editor if you don't want to. You can use whatever you're familiar with to do that editing. And it's going to open up a, a giant uh, window into the website editing space that I think a lot of people have felt locked out of for a long time. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Thanks for uh, coming on. Click back here and uh, showing us. So should be easy to find you guys. The dot com. Very easy to Not remember. But how yeah. is it spelled? <laughs> That's one you don't have to spell out. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you, Jeff and Clark, for coming on. We're going to wrap up with a quick plug for Built on Air um, community. We have a large and growing Slack community as well as a newsletter you can sign up for. And feel free to check us out, builtonair.com slash join to join our Slack community. I know Jeff is in there. Clark, I think you might be in there too. I don't communicate with you as much, but uh, I got to I got to hop in there. Um, yeah. Jeff's, Jeff's the Airtable data guy. So I've, I've been focused on the design stuff, but I'm excited to get in there and check out what you guys have. My, yeah. my purpose in life is to make everybody feel like they're the Airtable data guy. So yeah, I love that so in. much. And I feel like after using Airtable over the last couple of years and using the .com, like I feel like I have a better harness on that, even coming from being more right-brained. And uh, I can't wait to see like some of the creativity that's going to come out of people becoming the data Airtable people. Yeah. 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 No, that's the uh, community that's in Built on Air. Many people like that that are learning to love data through Airtable. So we're uh we'd love to have everybody join us tell your friends come on in and join the community and real quick we're going to end with one more segment um i'm going to talk a little bit about a little known field i wonder if people even know about this i was on the hunt i remember reading about this field that airtable introduced when they introduced synced uh, sources and it's called the sync source field but if you look let me bring up my base where are we at here um here we go if you look and you create a field it does not show up here there's no sync source field so it's this hidden field that only shows up in one scenario and what that scenario is and i was i was trying to find how how to make this come up you only see it if you have two uh synced sources so you have to set up a sync table that is syncing from multiple locations, whether it be Google Drive or Box. And I was thinking, Jeff and Clark, like this could be an interesting way for people to get more data into Airtable and then push it to the.com because they can sync from Google Drive or Box. And maybe it's easier to go through Airtable uh, at first instead of going through Zapier. That's really cool. The multiple data sets. Yeah. Yeah. So you can add, so they've got connections to right now. They've only got about eight or so, but they'll be adding to their list of integrations. But once you set up two, 
it will automatically add this secret field called sync source. And what that does is that allows you to see where this record came from. So this outputs refers to one of um, my sources. So it's this one right here, output. So that so now I know all of these records are coming from my Google Drive. I don't know if I have any um, files in my box. Um, see. Yeah, I think these are all um, Google, so I need a better demo here. But um, but if I had files in my box folder, then they would show up with a different name. So it allows you to distinguish where they're coming from, which is useful in formulas or, or automations or anything that you're doing. So if you're ever doing multiple um, sources, then you can rely heavily on that. It will show up, it, it'll automatically put it in there, but if you want, you can go into the advanced setting and then it will be toggled. You can toggle it on or off to um, not show it. So if I click that, it'll get removed. You saw it disappear there. So there, that is the special field. I needed it because I was looking for icons because I keep an icon library of all the fields and I couldn't find the icon for, for that uh, synced source field. So finally figured it out. I thought it was worth sharing with you if you're ever in need of knowing, distinguishing between source types and understanding the uh, sync source field. So that's a quick uh, highlight on that field focus. And that concludes our podcast right on the hour. So appreciate Jeff and Clark coming on. We're excited to hear more as you continue down your path and wish you the best of success. And we'll have awesome. you on sometime in the future and get an update on the.com. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Anyone can sign up for free. Just go into the.com and glad to be a part of uh, Built on Air. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And I just signed up for the Slack community for anyone who hasn't joined the Built on Air Slack community. I went to resources, communities, and then clicked on the Built on Air Slack community. So go join it alongside me. Very good. Appreciate that. And Peer we pressure. will see you guys all <laughs> next week. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yep. Thanks, Kamal. for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.